I am excited to share the Word of God with you today. Um, this is something that God has been um, kind of speaking to Beth and I for quite a while to get into um, kind of the concept that we're going to be talking about here for a few weeks or months. Is This may take months, people. Are you prepared for that? Yeah. Because I am not. Um, so I'm just hoping somebody is, because it may take months. Um, I want to talk to you about um, the idea of roots, and this is um, this is kind of a this is something that's been stirring up in Beth and I for a while, and uh, something that I think is incredibly important for us to get to. And uh, I didn't know that it was going to be roots is what it was going to come down to, but. Um, I can remember a storm when Beth and I, Beth and I owned a home in Amelia. And uh, if you guys, you guys will probably remember, I think it was Hurricane Ike. Was it Hurricane Ike who hit us too? I think it was Ike, yeah. Um, I remember uh, Beth and I had actually been at a church service. It was a Sunday. Um, I can't remember what we, were, um, what we were doing at this church. Maybe we were just visiting or whatever it was. And we were at a church service. And I know when they wrapped up service, they were like, hey, just so you know, the roads are horrible. There's trees down everywhere. It's going to be really difficult to get home. Well, the church was only, I don't know, maybe eight minutes from where we lived. And so it wasn't too bad for us. Uh, but I remember the aftermath of looking around the neighborhoods to see all the trees that came down from Hurricane Ike. And there was one tree specifically that really caught my eye. And this was years ago, right? Um, but there's this one tree that's always stayed... The imagery has always stayed in my mind, and it was it was about six doors down from our house. I, I was coming out, and there was this ginormous tree. I mean, it was huge, and it had been pushed over, and the roots didn't look like they went any deeper than that. That was it. So I was just puzzled. I was like, man, look at how huge that tree was, but look how shallow those roots were. Like, that's exactly why that tree got blown over, because when that wind really started slamming that tree. That root base was not strong enough to be able to handle it, and that's what pushed it over. And so I began um, this week thinking about this, this concept of roots and how incredibly vital roots are to a tree or to any plant, for that matter. And it really brought me to this place that I was thinking about us. And... If we, if we don't ever establish good, strong roots in our faith in Jesus, as soon as something tough comes along, we're going to get pushed right over. Amen. And the root system is usually a system that's hidden. You don't usually see what's, you see the outside, right? You see how big the tree is, you see all the leaves, and you say, man, that's such a beautiful tree. But you don't typically know what that root system looks like. And what, I will, what, I'm, what I'm challenged by God in, in, in my own life is to think about is my own root system. What do my roots look like? Because people don't see your roots, right? I mean, some of you ladies do stuff to hide your roots, right? That's what I do. <laughs> Try to hide my roots. But I think, I think about how, um, how incredibly important the root system is to a plant. And every single one of us I think it's time for us to examine what our root system looks like in our relationship with Jesus. And I started, I, I, so I, I've literally, I, just so you know, I have no interest in roots at all. I don't have a degree in roots, um, rootology, um, 
just made that up. I don't know if it's a thing or not. But I do not have a de degree in rootology. Um, so I was doing all sorts of research on roots this week. Um, and uh, just learning some crazy stuff about roots that I just, I just, I just had no clue on. And so it's, it's been really good. But I, I think we're going to be camping out in this idea of roots for a little while. Because what I want to do is I want us to get to the core of Christianity. I want us to get to the core of what we believe and why we believe it. Who we are, why we are what we are. Because when someone comes knocking on your door and they want to offer you something else, you need to be able to know why you stand where you stand, right? There's too many people that are afraid to answer the door because they don't know where their faith is. They don't know how to say it. They often might even say, you know what? You should just come talk to my pastor. He'll tell you about it. Eh, wrong answer. If you ever come to me and say, Tom, will you go talk to this person for me and tell them about Jesus? I'll say, nope, but you can. That's our, it's not my job, right? It's not my job to necessarily go to every single person you know and introduce them to Jesus. That's your job, right? The people that you know, God has divinely appointed you to be in their life for a reason. And so when we get to this, um, when we get to the idea of roots, I want us all to be able to walk away stronger and more confident in why we believe what we believe. It's important for us to get good, strong roots. Because what happens is if you don't have those good roots, like I said, the storm will push you over, right? And you might look good on the outside, but once people see your roots, they're like, man, didn't see that coming. Like that tree, like that tree literally has stayed in my brain for, gosh, what was it? Eight years ago? Six years ago? It's been a long time. It's been a long time ago. So when I first started studying and looking at the roots, um, I learned about what is called the tap root. Does anyone know what a tap root is? Yeah, it is a type of tap root. Oh, Kimberly knows. Yeah, exactly. The taproot is like the main root to a system. And literally what it does, the taproot's job is the taproot's job is to go down. Literally it goes straight down. It is the core root of, of a tree, of many different things. And so that taproot is literally going right down. All the other roots break off of the taproot. So the taproot is the main root that is going to feed everything. It's usually large, it's central, it's the dominant root. All the other root, roots uh, come out laterally, okay? It chases downward, and what its job is to do is it's going, it's getting nutrients, it's getting water, it's getting everything that the, the main system needs to be able to live and survive. And so when I got into the Word, I said, well, what, where do I need to go? If I'm, if I'm going to talk about roots and who we are and what we believe, where does it, where do I feel like um, God is leading me in that? And the question that I believe that we're going to answer today is who is God? We need to understand the Trinity, right? How does the Trinity work? What is the Trinity? I have, um, I have taught this a couple of different times and uh, I actually taught it to a youth group once. I was talking to them about the Trinity and um, from the things in the Word, what I see and how, how the Trinity works and um, what role each of them play and how they're all distinctly different and what they do. And uh, I had uh, adult youth leaders that came up to me and said, you know what, I've been in church my whole life and I really never understood the Trinity until now. That's not good for us because guess what? The Trinity is like <laughs> where it begins for us people. So I want to talk to you tonight about who is God. So I'm going to ask you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. Um, I'm going to take you in about four or five different places tonight. 
And this is probably going to feel, um, uh, I, I have more of a teacher style anyway, so it's going to be very teacher-esque um, is what I'll tell you. But I want to I wanna take you to Matthew 16 because what we're going to talk about is, it is, I'm going to just help you understand why it's important for us to talk about this. Why is it important for us to understand who is God and um, why, why would it matter? Um, we believe in Jesus' time. That's why we're here. We're at the church thing. We're doing the church thing. We get the church thing. Um, but I want to talk to you about what it says here. Matthew 16, verse 13 starts like this. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea, Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say that I am? I feel that it is if Jesus finds it important enough to look to his 12 closest men, to look at his disciples and ask them, who do you say that I am? I believe that this is an important question for us to answer as a body. It is important that we understand who is God. What is the Trinity? What is this whole three in one thing? What is the Godhead? I'm going to throw out all kinds of terms that you're going to be like, wait, what's that? Huh? What is that? Um, and we're going to we're going to talk through this because when we I believe that when we start to understand how the Trinity works, I believe it helps us to know who God is. And I believe that it will change the way that we worship. It will change the way that we pray. It will change the way that we live because knowing who God is is literally the taproot to our entire root base. If we don't get that, we don't get any of it. So it doesn't matter how eloquently you may speak. If you do not understand how the Trinity works and what the Trinity is intended to do, and every person of the Godhead, person, yes, person of the Godhead, um, then we won't get the rest. And so this is, this is where we have to start. So I'm going to tell you to turn with me just a little bit backwards to Matthew chapter 3. And I want to show you an example first to show you um, the Trinity at work. Now, the reason I'm pointing this out is because I'm going to talk about every person, um, every individual person in the Trinity. But I want to start by, by bringing you into Matthew chapter 3 to show you um, the Trinity all in one moment, right? Um, them, them, them coming together. And so in Matthew chapter 3, this, this will be a familiar passage to many, many of you. We're going to be in verses 16 and 17. What it says, as soon as Jesus, say Jesus, Jesus. as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God, say spirit of God, Descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Say the Father. Okay. In this passage, we get an early view of the work of all three persons of the Trinity. We see Jesus the Son being baptized. We see the Holy Spirit coming from heaven, descending as a dove to Jesus. And then we hear the Father say audibly from heaven, This is my son. Those are the three, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, what I like to always um, point out is that when I say Holy Spirit, some people get confused because um, some people 
say Holy Spirit. Some people say Holy Ghost. Um, Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, Tom, Thomas. It's all good. All right. It's all good. There is a view that a lot of people are adopting. And this is a, a big fun word to say. And I'll probably make you say it because it's really fun to say. Um, Non-Trinitarianism. Can you say non-Trinitarianism? You guys did way better than I did. Man. This is, this is ultimately the view that, um, that the stance is that God is not three distinct persons. It is not God Jesus. It is not God the Father. It is not um, God the Holy Spirit. Okay? And so um, some of the, some of the um, beliefs where that is is Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, there was actually a great list of them. Um, that I would name all off, but some of them were other words that I'm not very good at pronouncing. Um, so we're not going to do that. But knowing that, it's important for us to understand the Trinity. Because we cannot say that we believe in the Trinity when we have no clue how the Trinity works. And for so long, we don't, listen, for so long we don't talk about things like this. Like we just, we just want to get excited and, you know, we want to praise and we want to do these things. But we don't want to get to the core of our, really, our beliefs system, right? The roots, right? We're going to be in the roots for a while. Now, don't be confused if any of you watch Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon has a band called The Roots that plays for him. Um, so when I look to the side and I say The Roots, like I feel like I'm Jimmy Fallon for a minute. But that's not a band. It's a picture of Roots that I found online. So, um, so we're going we're gonna to talk about the Trinity at work. So we see in this moment all three, right? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so what we're going to do is we're going to break down. And I want to I go with you in the Word to talk about how I have... I have always seen in the word the way that the Trinity works. Now, I'm not telling you when I read this to you that this is the only way to describe the Trinity. I have heard many, many great teachings about this. But for my brain right here, this is the way that I've seen it. And it just seems to make sense for me. So I'm going to ask you to turn again with me to Galatians chapter 4. We're going to read two verses here about God the Father. Say God the Father. God the Father. God the Father. We're going to talk about um, what the Father's role is in the Godhead. Um, Godhead is, again, another word that's often used for the Trinity. And in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5 says this. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. That we might receive adoption to sonship. Okay, I'm, I want to read the beginning real quick here again in verse 4. But when the set time, say set time. When the set time had fully come. When I read Galatians 4, one of the things that I see about God the Father, and this is the way that I see him. God the Father creates the plan. He's a planner. He creates the plan. When you look at that scripture and you look at this passage, God sent his son. So we know that we know that piece, right? We know God sent his only son. So, blah, 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 right? You know, you, got, you guys get all that. Um, God sent his son. But there was purpose when he sent his son. Because it says at the beginning, when the set time had fully come. Listen, God wasn't just up on his throne and was like, you know what, man? 70 degrees, sunny. I think it'd be a great day to send my son down. That's not, that's not the way God worked. It wasn't just like, hmm, 
go, you know? It wasn't like Jesus was sitting there at the line and ready to go, and, and God was just like teasing him, like, on your marks, uh, get ready, uh. it's like, nope, not yet. No, that's not, that's not the way it was. God knew. He created the plan. It, there was a set time. And so when I look at the passage of God the Father, I believe that he creates the plan. Now, if we believe that God the Father is a planner, then we need to learn to trust the plan of the Father. Too often, we want to tell the planner how to plan. And we ain't good at that. Now, I wish my wife was in here right now um, because you would know that I'm not picking on her um, because she would be giggling the whole time I say this, okay? My wife is a planner. She wants to plan everything. I mean everything. Ever since she was a little girl, Kim will tell you that she would want to plan out how her sisters were going to play that day and what they were going to say with the Barbie doll. Like, I mean, to that degree. And Bethany, and I, listen, I'll be honest with you, I like to plan too. I am a bit of a planner. But I'm more of a live in the now kind of guy, you know? Uh, that's usually where my brain is. I mean, I, I like to vision, I like to cast vision, I love all that stuff. But um, I'm not much of a date person. And literally even today, um, she was talking to me about planning an event in January or February. And I was like, good night, woman. Like, can we get through this year? And she's like, well, what do you think? Do you think you'd rather do it January or February? I'm like, I, I can't even think to January or February right now. Like, I gotta move the grass. Like, can I wait to move the grass till January or February? She's a planner. So she, she literally, everything that she does, and let me tell you, if you mess up the planner's plan, it's not good. Like, there, there will be weekends, um, God love her, that she'll be like, hey, okay, this weekend, what I'd really like you to do is build this, or whatever it is, right? There's usually some project tied to it. This weekend, we can get this done, it'll be great, and then next weekend, we can do this, and then the weekend after that, and the weekend after that, right? And then something will pop up, but like, oh man, that'll be great. Hey, I think Saturday we're going to go do this. And she's like, that's not the plan. Like, you're going to hang up the closet rod. And I'm like, no, no, there's this now. You know, and so that's, that's never good. But, but we have to see God, the Father, as one that plans. So when we run into things that disrupt our plans, we shouldn't be looking at him and saying, that wasn't my plan. Now, what's funny is when I think I actually, when I wrecked my car, I think I actually put up on Facebook, well, this wasn't in the plans. <laughs> I did say that, didn't I? That's funny. I didn't know that. Um, it wasn't in the plans, right? But you figure it out. See, what we, what we find ourselves doing is when our plan gets disrupted, we just want to throw everything out the door. And we just want to throw our hands up and say, well, that's not what I thought. I thought this was going to be unicorns and rainbows and Skittle Pops. And we get mad and we just, we just want to walk away, storm away, storm to our room and get angry. But we have to trust that God is creating a plan. And let me tell you, God is creating a plan for every single one of you. Your plan might not look like my plan. And it probably doesn't. And your plan probably doesn't look like the plan to the person next to you. But we have to trust God, because his timing, this is the one thing that was really interesting to me when I really started thinking about it. His timing is perfect. He has perfect timing. He is not late, and he's not early. He's perfect. The time, and I can tell you in my own life, there's been many times where I think, well, that could have used that a little bit earlier, God. And then I realized, no, actually, I would have blown it if I would have gotten it earlier, right? I wasn't ready for it. 
I didn't know what I was talking about. I didn't know what I was doing. If I had gotten it then, I would have I would have made a fool of myself. So God the Father is the planner. He creates the plan. Now let's talk about God the Son. This is in John chapter 6. I'm going to read for you. John chapter 6 um, speaks about the... Um, it's going to actually echo a little bit of what we just read there. John 6, we're going to be in verses 37 through 38, and we'll have them on the screen for you as well. It says this. Although, this is Jesus speaking. All those the Father gives me, right? Father gives me, the Son, right? He's talking about himself. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. When we read this passage, what it does is it continues to confirm that God has a plan. That God the Father creates a plan. And that Jesus, it now gives us a visualization into what Jesus' responsibility is. Because Jesus' responsibility is to do the will of him who sent me. Do the will of him who sent me. This is Jesus' job. Now, I, I am a bit of a project manager, okay? Um, in my work, I manage different projects. Um, anyone as big a fan of Gantt charts as I am? I love Gantt charts. I, I thought maybe put her hand up for that. I love Gantt charts. I geek out about them. I'm weird like that, okay? Um, because, uh, because when it comes to a project, there's a lot of different things that are working, okay? And so I like to think of Jesus in this project. Like th This whole idea is that God creates the plan. So God created the project, okay? This is God's project. This is, this is God the Father. He has a plan. He has everything that he has intended. And then Jesus comes along, and what Jesus' job to do is to implement the plan, to do the plan. Here's the plan. Go do it. Now, Jesus does a phenomenal job of this. We often suck at it, right? Here's the plan, Tom. This is where you're supposed to go. This is what you're supposed to do. This is who you should reach out with. This is who you should connect to. This is who you should minister to, right? This is, this is who I've placed in your path. This is why I've put you here now. Go. And we're like, no. <laughs> right? See, we have to be, see, in, in, in the scripture we read earlier, we're working to, to uh, what does it say here? Um, to receive the adoption to sonship, right? See, Jesus came to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Sonship just like Jesus. And if Jesus comes to implement the plan and do the work of the Father, what do you think we should do? We should be doing the work of the Father. We should be following the plan that has been laid out for us, that the Word of God shows us clearly. We should be implementing the plan that God sent Jesus to implement. That means we should be doing what Jesus did. Now, that's scary for some of us, right? <laughs> when you really think and you look at what the Word says about what Jesus did, listen, I'm telling you right now, Jesus was not someone that was quiet and backwards and did not want to talk to anyone about his Father. He came to talk about the Father. He came to give deliverance. He came to bring healing. He came to minister no matter where a person was. That's what Jesus did. He was, he was the project manager that had carte blanche to say, just go do it, bro. Do it, right? But even though Jesus came and Jesus proclaimed that he was the son of God, what did he tell people? I'm here to do his will, not mine. See, Jesus, Jesus technically could have taken things into his own hands. I mean, Satan tempted him, right? 
For 40 days, Satan tempted him because Satan thought, hey, if I can shift him over here, then it will destroy the plan of God. It will destroy everything that was intended to happen. But Jesus didn't do that. See, his will was to carry out the will of the Father. That's why when we, when, listen, when he teaches us to pray, what does he tell us to do? To pray this, Father, your will on earth as it is in heaven. See, when I think about that, that shows me even more that God creates the plan. Because he has a plan for heaven and he has a plan for earth. And see, his will, we want his will to happen in the earth the way that it is in heaven. That's what, we, that's what our hearts cry is. And so that, that even Jesus, when he came, that's what he was praying. That's what he was teaching us. And so we, if we're going to be adopted into sonship with Jesus, right, we need to be implementing the plan. We need to be walking out because that's what Jesus did. Jesus came to follow that. Now, what I will tell you, and this is something um, I may be skipping ahead in my notes here, but um, it's an important piece of understanding the will of the Father. Because as I told you, God has a plan. God wants that plan to come through, right? Jesus was here to implement the plan. And he's following through on that plan and helping to make sure that it happens, okay? I want you to understand this. Not everything that happens in this earth is God's will. I have heard some of the most horrific things that have happened to people. And I've heard people say, well, I guess it was just God's will that they died of this or that they died of that or that they had this or they had that. But what I want you to understand, now there's some things that, I, that, that happen in life that are God's will. But what I want you to understand is that if Jesus prayed... Your will on earth as it, in, as it is in heaven. We know that he's praying for God's will to happen in the earth. It doesn't always happen. People talk about hurricanes and disasters and things that take place. And they talk about God and why would a God do that? And why would God? Everything that happens here is not the will of the Father. Okay? We live in a broken world. And some of us look at those things and we get angry at God. And we disconnect from God because we say, well, God, if that's going to happen here, then I don't know what's, what's wrong with you. I can't serve a God like that. It doesn't mean that it's God's plan. Amen. John 14, 26 says this. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. Again, listen here. This is Jesus speaking. So he's speaking of the Holy Spirit. He's speaking of the Father. Who's going to send the Holy Spirit. And he's going to send it in my name. In Jesus' name. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Says, will send in my name. Will teach you all things. And will remind you of everything. That I have said to you. There is a term. That I use. Um, that I use it. Because it's a common term. In project management. And it's called the phase. Like When you manage a project, project. You go through all these different phases. And usually the last phase, or it's the second to last phase, is a phase called control. Control. It's the control phase. So what happens in our life is, um, I can tell you about it in my work, okay? This, this will be a great analogy because it drives me mad. Uh, we'll say, this is the way we're going to do something. This is the new way. This is going to be a challenge. This is going to be different. But this is the way we're going to do it. And everyone's like, okay, okay, cool. Okay, we're going to do this, right? We're on board. And then we start doing it, and everyone seems to be doing it. Cool. Good. Everyone's on the same page. We're good. Two months later, someone will bring a problem to my door, and I'll say, why is this a problem? Because didn't we fix that like three months ago? 
And I'll be like, well, we stopped doing that. And then I go, why? And I go crazy. And I don't yell, really. Um, I just give them like a disappointed father talk, as usually my talks. And uh, that's why people don't like coming to my office, because I give them the disappointed father talk. Um, and it just it breaks their heart. Um, and that's just the way I am. Uh, but the reality is the reason things like that happen is because we don't place any control onto the plan. Like if you, if you say, hey, um, from now on, this is the way that we're going to drive to the church. Okay. Um, we're going to go this way. We're going to come around the long way, depending on whichever way you come. So if I came this way, I'm going to drive out this way and back around and then come to the church. Right. But then I don't like put that in, in such a way that if we go this way, um, I'm going to flatten our tires. Maybe we don't have to do the flatten the tires thing, but ultimately something is not going to work right. There's no control for that plan. We're just going to keep coming this way, right? I mean, we've always come this way. Why would we change? And what the Holy Spirit does, the Holy Spirit controls the plan that Jesus has put in place, which is the will of the Father. And so the way he does that is he equips us to do the work of the Father. See, the Holy Spirit literally says here that Jesus was saying that the Holy Spirit will teach you in all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. The role of the Holy Spirit is to empower the believer. It says in here to teach you everything. Now, a lot of people have said to me, man, I've tried to read the Bible. I just can't understand it. Okay? If you don't read this with the Holy Spirit, you will not understand it. The Holy Spirit is the guy that allows you to understand this word. The Holy Spirit is what equips us in the work that we are supposed to be doing. The, the role is literally to make sure that things stay in order and go the direction that the Father's intended. The Holy Spirit came to be that comforter and that advocate for us to help us. So when we get into situations where we have to be bold, guess what? The Holy Spirit steps in and, and gives you boldness. When you get in a situation where you need healing, the Holy Spirit empowers you in healing. Listen, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it talks about all the, the, uh, uh, the gifts and the manifestations of the Spirit that are given. Literally, it says in my word, for the common good. These are gifts that are intended to keep God's plan in control. And they are in unity with the Father's intent. They are intended for us as believers. Okay? The Holy Spirit often gets forgotten in the Godhead. We say God the Father. We say God the Son. We say Jesus. We say God. But we don't talk about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is, an intended, is intended to empower you to do the work that God has called you to do. If you attempt to go and live a life in God, ignoring the Holy Spirit, you will not be able to live a life in God. The Holy Spirit is a part of the Trinity. They are not separate. They, there's, there's, there is not one of them that is, is separate from the other. But at the same time, they all have their own distinct role in the Godhead. And so we cannot, as a people, ignore the Son and love the Spirit and the Father. We can't ignore the Father and love the Son and the Spirit. And we cannot love the Father and the Son and ignore the Holy Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit is intended to empower you. But if you find yourself ignoring that piece of the Godhead 
and not opening yourself up to the Spirit and what the Spirit wants to do in your life, then you will not experience God to the fullness that God wants you to experience. There is purpose behind all three. And so often in the church, we want to ignore the Holy Spirit. When I grew, I grew up in a church that we didn't say anything about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was like, shh, don't talk about the Holy Spirit. Right? People get freaked out when you talk about the Holy Spirit. People get scared. People, listen, there, there are so many misconceptions about the Holy Spirit. But the problem is, is that we just won't open ourselves up to truly who God is. All of God. See, we want to say we want to take the love of Jesus and the love of the Father, right? But we don't want to take the boldness of the Spirit. Why? Why do we, why do we want to close God into this, you know, this, this little box over here where we say, God, we're not going to allow you. There's too many people that say, you know what? I felt like God wanted to do something great in me, but I was too scared. I was too afraid. I didn't want to speak out. I didn't want to step up. I didn't want to move in that. I didn't want to stand up. I didn't want to raise my hands. I didn't want to shout. I didn't want to, because I was worried about what someone would think. Let me tell you, we got to stop worrying about people. And we got to stop. We got to start worrying about God. Because it doesn't matter what the person next to you says. You know what matters is what God says. And I'm telling you, if you feel the Holy Spirit moving in your life, you need to move on that. Because with that comes boldness. And it allows you to move. Listen, these roots don't get deep if you don't tap into the taproot. And the taproot is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You can't get one without all three. That's the way he works. And so the Trinity works like this, right? The Father creates the plan. God has a plan for you. Jesus Wants to be, listen, the way I, I often talk about Jesus, and Tiff, you can come if you would. The way I often talk about Jesus is, um, I, I just love this analogy. I've used it for years. Um, and it's, it's an analogy that I think many, many people have used. So I'm not about to bring you something cutting edge where you're going to be like, man, this is the most craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. Okay. Um, I'm not, I'm not that, that guy. But um, I, I, when Beth and I were children's ministers, um, I did a series once, and um, one of the series that I did with the kids was talking about bridges. And um, when I think about Jesus, what Jesus is, Jesus is a bridge. The way that I, I often illustrate it is you've got man over here on his own little island, and then you've got God over here on his island. And ultimately, we I think there are a lot of people who want to get to that island. Right? They want to be more connected to God. They want to be able to understand what his will is for them. They want to be able to walk in what God has for them. Right? They, there are people that want that. There's also a good subset of people that aren't interested in that. Right? But I'm talking about the people that want to get there. The bridge is Jesus. See, Jesus came so that ultimately, again, he could redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. And so the illustration that I usually give to them is I have this cross and I lay it down and it smacks the ground and it scares half of them. And then you walk over on the bridge. That's how we get to God. So Jesus came and implemented the plan that the Father had. And we are to follow in his footsteps. I mean, Jesus literally said that we're going to do even greater things than he did. And the book of John says that there is so much that Jesus did that 
the pages couldn't even fill it up. Like we, I'm telling you, we don't even know a sliver of what Jesus did. And what scares me about that is when we look at our lives and we look at our root base, what's there? See, when that tree toppled over, I could see everything. It was, it was exposed. And what happens to us is when we find ourselves in a tough situation, in a horrible storm, what happens often is we get blown over and then our roots get exposed. You start to find out how much did they really trust God? How much did they really know Him? How much did they really learn His Word? How, how much of that did they really get into them? Because when that tree gets toppled over, it is a scary spot to be. And everyone sees and everyone knows, right? And let me tell you, I believe that if we can just start to get to the point that we understand who God truly is, and we begin to tap into who He is for us. See, there is a unity. There is such a unity in God, in the Trinity. And God the Father has a plan for you. Jesus came to put God's plan into place. But the Holy Spirit is intended to empower you and give you boldness to walk out your life in Christ. If you try to do it without the Holy Spirit, you won't do it. You won't. It won't happen. And like I said, not everything is going to be the will of the Father that's going to happen on this earth. But if we, if we truly begin to listen to the Holy Spirit that is inside of every single one of us, and we begin to submit, I talked to you guys just a few weeks ago about submitting, if we begin to submit to the work of the Holy Spirit, I believe that we will have an encounter yes. that will shake your very foundation. Yes. And I believe that your roots are going to start to take off. They will take off. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. In reading about roots, there are three things. I just thought this was crazy. There are three things that roots need to be able to grow, to be able to grow healthy. They need water, they need oxygen, and they need soil. Those are the three ingredients that are most important for roots. Because if you get those three things, then the root base has the opportunity to be strong. Now the type of soil matters, and we're going to end up talking about that. The type of soil matters because some of those trees, what you'll find when you find those real shallow root bases is because the soil's not good. The soil's not been cultivated. The soil wasn't prepared. They just plopped that tree on there and those tree roots went like this instead of going down and tapping in the way that God's intended to. And just as trees and plants, they need those three things. We need the Father and we need the Son and we need the Holy Spirit. We have to open ourselves up to a triune God, right? We have to open ourselves up. And listen, for some of you, you're like, I, I, I don't get it, right? I don't get the Trinity. I don't fully understand it. Um, I don't understand how there are three and one and one and three and all of that thing. And so usually I, I, I would draw it out for you. I told Beth I need to get me a whiteboard finally. Um, and that God is ultimately in the center of this. They are God, right? And you have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
And as we open ourselves up to allow God to be all three of those things for us, not just the son that saved us, not just the father who loves us and has a plan for us, and not just the spirit who wants to empower us. When we, when we accept all three of them and we walk our life out in that, you will see boldness and you will see God do great things in your lives. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for being a, a God of unity. God, I thank you for your word and for showing and teaching us um, who you are. God, I pray that um, as we come to you now, that you would help us to understand more of your word, more of who you are. God, I pray that we would be open to all of you, not just pieces of you, but all of you. Open to God the Father, open to God the Son, and open to God the Holy Spirit. God, let us be empowered to do your work, God. Let us be empowered to continue to put your plan in place and to follow your plan in everything that we do. God, let that be our heart's cry. Let that be who we are day in and day out. No matter where we're at, whether we're at work or at school or at home or at church, God, wherever it is that we are, God, let that be our heart's cry to serve and to know you with every fiber of our being. And if you today say, Tom, I have not accepted Jesus. I talked to you about that bridge and Jesus being that bridge to take you from this island to move on, to actually know who God is and that he came and he died for us so that we could receive salvation, that we could receive adoption into sonship with Jesus himself. If you today say, Tom, I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior, I'm going to ask you to just slip your hand up and put it right back down. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to make you come up here and do anything crazy. But if you say that you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, I just want to be able to see your hand so that I can pray for you today. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your people. God, I, I pray that as we go from here, that God, you would continue to stir this word in our hearts. And God, let us be open to who you are as a triune God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.